Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The panel. Well, I've really missed uh, talking to the various correspondents we have uh, on the panel, so it's great to get back uh, into it. And we start uh, very strongly this morning with Jamie Wall, uh, of course, and Aidan McLaughlin. Aidan McLaughlin out of my neck of the woods. So great to have uh, both you guys uh, back on board and uh, Happy New Year belatedly to you both. Uh, gentlemen, I'll start with you, Jamie. Uh, T20 cricket, uh, of course, it's uh, huge at the moment on all our channels. Chris Cairns has suggested that maybe two Kiwi sides should join the Big Bash. Uh, is it an idea worth pursuing in your mind, Jamie? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Great to be talking with you again. And um, morning, Aidan. Uh, is it? I I was thinking about this long and hard on the drive, drive-in this morning. Uh, and I can kind of see pros and cons of of both, both sides of the argument. Um, because I mean, really, at the at the way T20 cricket is at the moment, you can probably, if you had the money, uh, manage to put together a franchise and, and stack a team up with kind of whoever you whoever you really want. Um, because there are no really re- any sort of regulations about. Um, I don't think New Zealand cricket would have any be come down too hard on on how many New Zealanders you'd need the team. So you could stack it up with some some big name players. And the way that T20 works now is that they're those guys aren't really out, outside of uh, the realms of possibility. Um, would they be competitive? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, New Zealand is obviously a cricketing country that has quite a big home ground advantage, you know, due to the pitches and conditions that, that we play in. So that would that would perhaps play into our favour. Uh, and, and T20, of course, has a lot of variables in it that do, do favour, you know, teams going in anyway. The the one thing I would question though about the wisdom of, of of such a such a move is whether you'd be making the same kind of errors that that Super Rugby did, in which uh, the the way that it would solve um, uh, the interest levels dropping in it is to simply add more teams. Um, and you see you see you can see what's happened to all of the Super Rugby teams that the the first ones are, uh, sorry the last ones in were also the first ones out when it came to the. The head on the chopping block, and it would, it would, you'd, you'd be taking quite the risk uh, in in a sporting environment in New Zealand that uh, any sport here really struggles to get um, new new customers or new new eyes on screens and bums on seats. So, I, I can see pros and cons in both. Aiden, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning, Jamie. Happy New Year to you both. Um, I think it's always worth listening to, to ideas if they, if they come on the table. Uh, personally, I think that this one, I think we're, we're, we're pretty good the way we're set at the moment. Um, is the domestic T20 competition we've got at the moment, the Super Smash, is it perfect? No, uh, I don't think anything's perfect. But I think the great thing about it is that it is a New Zealand competition um, and it's organised in the interest of New Zealand cricket. I think if we start uh, potentially going down the, the route of uh, entering uh, an Australian competition, uh, then our influence is diluted. And uh, what, what's our motivation? Is it purely money? Is it 
Uh, is it potentially to uh, expose our players to other players from a different country so that they may improve? Maybe there's some, some, something in that. But I, I quite like it as it is. It's, um, at this time of year, it's a good competition. It's spectator-friendly times. It's TV-friendly times. It develops our domestic players. Uh, and for the women, actually for the women players, uh, which this doesn't seem to be aimed at, uh, it's pretty good because they already play in the Big Bash because the Big Bash is, is scheduled before our, our own domestic competition. So um, always worth listening just in case there are some good ideas out there. But on balance, I think we're good as we are. <clears throat> My personal belief, excuse me, is we, we might not be good enough if we just send our players, Aiden, <clears throat> excuse me. So we might have to uh, recruit. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, a. I, I actually like watching our, our domestic competition over the Big Bash, um, and some people have questioned why that is uh, because perhaps the quality isn't as good as the Big Bash, and I, I take that on board. But equally, I would rather watch um, a domestic competition with domestic players that I'm actually invested in. Um, it doesn't really, you know, I, I used to watch the Big Bash quite a bit. Uh, in the early years, and I've drifted away from it over the years, and I've drifted more towards the Super Smash. Not because I think it's a better quality and there are better players, but because it's more of more interest to me and what I want to watch from a New Zealand cricket perspective. But no, I mean, yeah, would we be competitive? I think I think the the, the point that was out there would be that we probably wouldn't see if it was Auckland and Canterbury, which I think are the names that Chris Cairns suggested, for example. If it was those two teams, then they wouldn't be those two teams as we see them now they would be more of a franchise basis where you'd be taking players in potentially from Australia and other countries, just like those big bash teams do at the moment. So um, I think the teams would potentially be different anyway, but no, I take your, po- your point about domestically, we might not be good enough anyway. No, totally. Uh, that is a big point, I think, that you have to consider. Right, uh, let's uh, change tack if we can, uh, Jamie, to look at the breakers. Uh, possibility that they were looking at a top two finish, but went down uh, to the Cairns Taipans. Uh, so how do you see them sitting this, this, this far into the competition? Oh, well, it's definitely not a loss that they'd, they'd want, but it's not going to kill their chances. They have looked very good uh, this year, and it's great to see them back and, you know, back where we want want the breakers to be, you know, because uh, they are a team that has enjoyed a great deal of success. You know, the one team uh, that's based in New Zealand that has... Uh, enjoyed great success in an Australian competition and um, they've dipped off over the last few years. Obviously, COVID didn't help. Um, and to see them back and perhaps in contention for a title is uh, is really good. Uh, I think that's what, that's three three losses in a row though, you know, coming up to the, the business end of the season. Um, it might, it, this might impact their ability to host a, um, a home semi-final, which would be a pretty big blow uh, considering that uh, the amount of support they're getting, I think they had 7,000, um, which is about as many as you can fit into um, Spark Arena there in, in, in Auckland, uh, which is amazing, really, like for a team of uh, that is playing, um, you know, not one of the main sports in New Zealand, um, to be pulling that sort of crowd. They, could, they should be very happy with that. Uh, but they would be desperate to get that crowd on their side, you know, when 
the crunch comes on and when they need them um, in that final series. So um, here's hoping they can they can shake off whatever's been ailing them. They they did have a big road trip. I mean, I'll give them that uh, that they needed to kind of get over, but um, they need to really sort of knuckle down and, and take what they've learned over the over those losses. Um, I mean, the one the one good thing is that they'll be close. You know, they haven't been blown out or anything. Uh, so um, you know, here's hoping they can they can just right the ship and, and come right at the right end of the season. Jamie Wall with us this morning, as is Aidan McLaughlin. We'll take a, a short break and have some news with Araha. When we come back, uh, we'll look at uh, the disappearing sevens out of Hamilton. Uh, the tennis, um, uh, a review of what it was like in New Zealand. And, of course, the Aussie Open starts today in Australia. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Jamie Wall and Aidan McLaughlin with us this morning as our panellists and uh, Aidan McLaughlin. Let's look at uh, the tennis if we can. First of all, locally, uh, the ASB Classic is done and uh, fantastic. It seemed from the outside looking in. How did you rate the, the, the fortnight of tennis and the performance of the new tournament director and Nicholas uh, Lamparan? Yeah, I think Nicholas Lamparan done a, a tremendous job. Um, he inherited... A com- uh, you know, a tournament that had gone from success to success under Carl Budge. Carl Budge was the face of that tournament, and he built up a, a great reputation. Uh, and he managed to get some tremendous players over uh, each year, uh, especially on the women's side of the draw. Um, so, so stepping into his shoes was was no easy task, and I think he's done very well. Um, I think a lot of people don't realise probably what restrictions that he has in terms of the tournament status. Um, you know, because of its status uh, as, a, as a WTA 250 event, um, he can only sign one player from the women's top 10, for example. He gets Coco Goff in, she wins the tournament. And then he's trying to, you know, orchestrate who else he can get, what other big names he can get in. He gets Emma Renacanu in because she's outside the top 10, for example. So I think when you have all those balls to juggle and you have those restrictions... Um, you really earn your, your, your money as a tournament director. I think you've done a great job. Um, obviously, the, the, the weather didn't play ball, especially for the first week. It was a little bit uh, more accommodating for the second week. Um, and I think we had a great men's tournament as well. But um, I think it was. I, I think all things considered, it has to be considered a success. And uh, yeah, I know Jamie was there, so it'd be interesting to, to hear what he thinks about it. Yeah, Jamie, what do you make of it? Yeah, I, I have to agree with what I hadn't said about uh, the way that it unfolded. I mean, obviously it was hampered by some really unseasonable rain up here in, in Auckland where it uh, hardly ever rains, uh, not at this time of year anyway. Um, uh, and, of course, it ignited the debate about um, whether Stanley Street needs a roof. Um, of course, this debate is always followed up by the obvious question is who's going to pay for it. Uh, and given Auckland's council's... Um, relationship with building sports infrastructure. I can't see that anyone writing a cheque for that anytime soon. Um, if they did move it indoors somehow, um, it would become a completely different sort of event. The whole thing is about, um, you know, sitting in the corporate boxes um, up, right up next to the court. It's a very unique uh, setting for a tennis tournament. You know, you've got the, the domain right there next to you and, you know, what should be being played out in nice sunny weather uh, and while you sip champagne there, and that's why everyone enjoys going to it. So I think moving the whole thing inside would, would completely transform it. Um, yeah, Aidan did mention um, the sort of restrictions that they're under with it being a 250 
uh, tournament at the moment um, and the changing kind of landscape of the tennis uh, set up with the United Cup happening over in Australia at the same time, which means that it might be a little bit more tricky to get big-name players. Uh, but the one thing I, I will say uh, around the women's tournament anyway is you your title's only as strong as your champion, and um, the ASB Classic has had two very strong champions in the last uh, couple of times it's been held. Obviously, Coco Goff uh, won the title that was last won by Serena Williams. Um, Serena Williams, potentially, you know, in the conversation as being one of the greatest athletes of all time, and Coco Goff has the potential to go on and become uh, the new face of the uh, face of the sport. She's only 18, um, and uh, you know, if she can carry the sort of form on. That, we, that she showed at Stanley Street into the Aussie Open, she's going to make a pretty deep run um, and she could potentially go on and win it. Uh, so, you know, that's been that's a really good thing that they can take out of it. Um, it would have been really cool if Cam, Cameron Norrie had been able to uh, win the men's um, loss in a, you know, a pretty decent final to um, veteran Richard Gasquet. But as long as he keeps coming back as well, because, of course, then at least we can claim that there is some sort of New Zealand representation there, even though he's not officially a New Zealander anymore. I mean, it, and it leads me to another question, which uh, I ask a lot and no one seems to be able to answer. Maybe you can, Jamie. Where is New Zealand tennis in terms of our own players? Yeah, great question. Uh, I mean, it, 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 that's a whole and half your show we could we could go on for about that. But, I mean, just briefly, I think that, you know, like a lot of sports, New Zealand tennis um, suffers from a geographical issue. It's, it's very difficult um, to get our players uh, out to regular, be playing regular, high, uh, decent quality opponents. I mean, you know, look, if you're based in Europe, if, you, if you're Cam Norrie and you go base yourself in the UK, you can go anywhere in Europe within a day and, and play a tournament and then play somewhere else in Europe and, and, and another tournament. And you're playing against really good players all the time. That's why he's so he's been so good. Um, you know, and if you're in New Zealand, really, you, the, the tennis New Zealand just, just don't have the money. They, I mean, no one's really got any money after the last couple of years anyway. Um, and so, yeah, it's like I said, it's like the roof debate. Um, it comes down to who pays for it. Um, you know, but the, like I said, there's a lot more things going on um, behind the scenes around that one. But I will say it was pretty cool um, after the, as you know, the the, the other semi-final that Cam Norrie didn't play, and um, Richard Gasquet won a walkover. So uh, because his opponent pulled out with injury, so they brought out some of the young, the young kids, um, the young shining lights of uh, of tennis in New Zealand, and, the, and it was pretty awesome to see a couple of. 11 and 12 year old kids having a go on centre court in front of like a really big crowd because so, it would have been the first time they would have ever played in front of that. So, I mean, all we've got to do is hope. Um, otherwise, we're just going to end up outsourcing our tennis talent like we did with Cam Norrie because if, it, if he goes on and becomes, you know, a good solid presence in the top five and, and wins an event, I'll claim him. I'm sure the rest of us will too. <laughs> yeah, we might have to um, as our last resort basically to get to, to that level anyway. Uh, but we don't have to worry about uh, claiming uh, sort of outsiders when it comes to sevens because we've been so damn good at it over a long period of time, Aiden. Uh, but uh, Hamilton is hosting it for the last time in the foreseeable future. Uh, how do you think we'll go at home and uh, where perhaps do you think it might end up if it ever came back to New Zealand? Yeah, I think we'll go, I think we'll go reasonably well. Um, you know, there's been, what, three tournaments so far, um, second and third off the top of my head and... Samoa and South Africa uh, are just ahead of us in the, in the standings. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, we always go pretty well at home. I think, again, the women will go well. Um, Australia 
uh, will be their main competition, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's a possibility of, of two wins from both competitions, to be honest with you. Um, in terms of if it ever comes back here, well, it seems that the the organisers of the, the World Rugby 7 Series now um, have very specific criteria about what they want to see in a host country uh, or host city. Um, so we may have some romantic ideas about where we would like it to go in New Zealand. Um, but probably, if we're honest, probably the only venue as things stand that could could attract it back in however many years is probably Auckland. I think that's the reality. As much as we might say, oh, wouldn't it be great to have it in Dunedin or, you know, grow, you know somewhere else, um, I think realistically, if the organisers are looking at things, Eden Park is the only option. Okay, interesting. Do you see it getting back to Eden Park, Jamie? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I think that the World Rugby are, are basically just going to blow the whole concept up and, and start again. <clears throat> and I think what they're trying to model it on, which is what they trying to, tried to model it on all along, um, because it was originally called, the, uh, or at least known as the Grand Prix series, was on, on sort of F1, and this is a big travelling roadshow that sort of moves from place to place. Uh, and, um, you know, absorbs all the attention for one weekend. Um, Sevens it kind of isn't really in a place to be doing that. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of chat about, about this one, even though it's the last time it's going to be held in New Zealand. But what I, I understand they're looking at is to be playing it in sort of big, glamorous venues. You know, you're talking about, um, you know, Hong Kong, Cape Town, Paris, west coast of um, United States or, or Las Vegas and then that nice new stadium they've got there uh, you know these big and make it into a real big ticket item rather than you know the kind of just let's go get on the piss for the weekend kind of thing um, that it has it has got uh, because they, they do want to cut it down to um, seven tournaments a year where that leaves um, the, the All Black Sevens and the Black Fern Sevens is, is going to be really interesting uh, because, of course, they are funded by not just Easy Rugby but the, the government, you know, but they get, they get Olympic um, funding uh, because it's an Olympic sport. And what they're actually going to do with all of this downtime that they'll have once the tournaments get cut back, and the, especially for the women as well, because um, they probably won't have uh, other rugby to go back to like, like the men do um, will be quite interesting. I, um, I think that uh, if anything, it's going to take a bit of adjustment. Um, I think that the closest sevens tournament uh, that's going to be held in New Zealand will, will, will be in Sydney. Um, I, I understand that's where they're going to be. They're going to be basing the, the kind of league for this part of the world. Um, and that it's going to be something we're going to be watching on TV um, for a while. And and also the fact that they need to change the one key issue with Sevens, which is it is supposed to be um, this short and sharp and entertaining thing that only takes up 15 minutes of your time. But in order to actually get invested in a tournament, it takes three days. Um, so you're talking about something that's being marketed as a short-form um, uh, event that's almost as long as a cricket test. So that's something they, they, they really need to be looking at um, rather than just where it's being held. Jamie Wall and Aidan McLaughlin have been our panellists this morning. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, we'll have another one uh, around 10.20 tomorrow morning. Uh, have a great day, both of you. It is uh, 10.43 here on SCNZ.